How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram at Gays Revolting Pod, Twitter at Gays Revolting, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. Support our show and listen to weekly bonus chats by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. Back in Melbourne. Back in Melbourne. Yeah. So no one will ever know. No. Yes. Oh. So for those who haven't been following the drama online, we recorded a live episode in uh, Adelaide last week, which was fucking amazing. Our first show on the road. And the audience were absolutely beautiful. We had an incredible guest. The nicest people. Uh, Dr. Gertrude Glossop. Yeah. But unfortunately, the audio file was corrupted so we weren't able to release the episode. It's like super exclusive to them now, (laughs) like to all the people that came and saw us. Yeah, so. Um, But huge thank you to everyone that came. It was an amazing audience. Yeah, it was uh, such a good vibe. For anyone that's not familiar with Dr. Gertrude Glossop, get around that because uh, she was a fascinating. She was so good. I hope we can chat to her again. I I I hope she comes to Melbourne. Yeah, I think we might try and and get her on uh, in Melbourne or if we're back in Adelaide again, we might do a a special Mm -hmm. interview with her because she was fascinating. Mm. I thought she elevated our show to... Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think everyone in Adelaide just came to see her. We yeah. were just we were the guests. <laughs> yeah. Everyone talked to me after the live show about her. Yeah, yeah. So I really knew, like, oh, we picked a good guest. Yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Fascinating LGBTI rainbow elder. But I had a brilliant time in Adelaide. We had the uh, the comedy debate on the Wednesday night, which Luke and I were part of. Laurie Bell's comedy Ooh, debate. Yeah. Mm. Thank uh, God that audio will never be released <laughs> either. My team did very well. <laughs> My team won absolutely. Um, and then, of course, we had the debate on Thursday night. And then Friday night, we got to uh, go to Mary's Poppin. Oh, that was that was an experience. <laughs> we uh, got to hang out with the mm. wonderful drag queens, uh, Wounds and 
Cain and Abel there, which oh, was lots of fun. Yeah. And uh, experience the Adelaide That was such nightlife. a fun night. I had such a good time yeah. with you guys. For anyone that hasn't been uh, since they've renovated, they've moved into what used to be a synagogue. So the old uh, temple, well, the, yes. the old <laughs> altar of the of the synagogue is now the stage where the for drag, the drag queens, queens Yeah. On And it's this massive, amazing venue and it was pumping. It was really good fun. It's yeah. always good to give a yes queen to the star of David. Yeah. <laughs> yes, David. David is through. a star. <laughs> that was a fun night and it's probably the most Carl's ever made me laugh. I know. Oh, you two were like I was, yeah, just we were riffing besties. off each other. <laughs> I felt like something went weird for me in Adelaide because suddenly yeah. Kyle was like the funniest suddenly. person. Suddenly. <laughs> so, I know. I remember you saying at one point, uh, Kyle, you're funny in Adelaide. Yeah, okay. I'll, be, I'll be back to boring old me <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> There's something in the water, the fluoride yeah. in the water yeah. in Adelaide. But I was also like really friendly to to strangers oh, yeah, which yeah. I'm not I know, used, I know. Like, it was it was like watching a dog walk on its hind legs yeah. I was not used to it usually in a group like that and we hadn't even had any drugs it was weird <laughs> I know I was we clean. did have a few of those they have these amazing cocktails at the uh, oh you guys Mary's, did yeah the Mary's Poppin called the Schlong Island Iced Tea <laughs> which is basically just a liter of spirits with a splash of coke I was like uh, Long Island Iced Tea I was like what is this like 2007 <laughs> <laughs> it is in Adelaide yeah. it is yes. 2007 yes it is <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I had like four or five of those you and did. Several red wines. It was uh, you did. a messy night. Not as messy as Wounds was, but uh, still quite That messy. was hilarious. <laughs> mm. Wounds was, in- for anyone that doesn't know, Wounds is like an incredible uh, impersonator drag queen and uh, quite good with the old uh, divas. Yeah. And so she kept, she was off her face and kept doing uh, <laughs> Judy Garland. And it got to a point where she was sort of nodding off, falling asleep. And then I'd say, clang, 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 go the trolleys. Mm. And she'd just wake up and scream, <laughs> ding, 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 go the bells. My favorite part was when she called her boyfriend who was sitting right next to Oh, yeah, that was amazing, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the funniest thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. It was great. I still other... continue to talk on yeah. the phone to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, she's right there. Yeah, and then she goes, oh, how did you get here so quickly? <laughs> uh, what other exciting things have been happening? Ah, uh, You just... went away with Duncan? Oh, that was like the weekend before. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. I forget all our content got lost. Yeah, I went I went um, away to Beechworth and yep. I stayed in a mental asylum, which was not a mental asylum when I stayed in it. It's good. Yeah, I know. I was like, I got out. It's all good. Yeah, it's it like renovated like an Airbnb or something. Yeah, yeah. It was a friend's, I think his friend was living in there. It was mm. like an apartment. Living. Living. Um, but yeah, we, we went to a wine winery and had like a nice pairing lunch. It was great. This may be an asylum, but I am living. Living. So. Yes. Um, what's new with you guys that may have been missed out due to bad recording? Not much. Like, I, I threw a lot of shade at my family during our live show. It was pretty entertaining. Oh, them. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I always thought you'd exaggerated uh, your relationship with your parents. Yeah. But tell the audience uh, what happened when you asked your parents uh, if they want to come to the show. So my dad lied and said he had other plans, <laughs> which was not true. He's a 77-year-old man with no friends. Uh, my mother just said flat out no. Oh. <laughs> but that was that was like... My parents being nice yeah. with those interactions. Yeah. The unpleasant ones were when they like told me I looked like a rapist. Oh, God. And that I should shave before I get on stage because that's Ugh. embarrassing. Wow. And that I should probably lose a few pounds as well. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, look at you. You're huge. It's, yeah. it's just, it's the funny little mind. Like, I really look up to them in a few ways mm. because I, I know my mother through years of training, there must be some program they put Asian mothers through <laughs> to teach them these tricks but yeah. she can look at a person and mm. within 10 seconds assess what their biggest insecurities are oh God, and, and just, just 
Go right in. in there. I'm Hold so glad right I didn't in. meet her. I, I, I definitely do not, not need that. I was yeah. going to invite you guys around. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> and how about you, Tom? I, uh, two very exciting things happened in mm. leading up to the Adelaide show. Mm-hmm. I bottomed for the first time in a year and a half <laughs> yeah. and fucking loved it. Wow. And so now I think I'm just going to be a bottom. It's a big old bottom. Big old yeah. bottom. I'm just, gonna, yeah, I'm just verse, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very excited to have reopened that uh, Reopened. Wow. That I thought had closed. Back in business yeah. <laughs> it was so cute being roomies with you though. I know I know we had a cute little Airbnb and Tom would wake me up every morning with a coffee a plunger coffee which yeah. became very obsessed yeah I know I was trip. making like a plunger coffee every hour mm. yeah uh, the other exciting thing that I've done is I bought the original t-shirt from the movie Muriel's oh, Wedding yeah. that the sister wears in the movie the, you know the sister that says you're terrible Muriel yes. Yeah. Yes. so the actual t-shirt that she was wearing in the, the movie I bought it at a charity auction it's the most expensive thing I've ever bought aside from my <laughs> dog and so uh, worth it it's uh, so worth it <laughs> so worth it Where, like, have you hung it i'm somewhere? living off vegemite sandwiches for the next like four weeks <laughs> but i am so happy with it That's i'm kind of glad in <laughs> i should say that i'm kind of glad in a way we don't have the audio of the adelaide live show because <laughs> some of the things in retrospect mm. that we said on those i like, know i'm a little bit more verbose on live when when there's an audience in front of you you tend to like play it big mm. for the crowd and so there was some a couple filthy little lines in there. <laughs> you opened uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I opened up a few things that night. And for anyone that missed the Adelaide live show, uh, we have some exciting news. Of course, we have two other live shows on sale. Uh, we're going to Sydney. When's that? Sydney. Yeah, we're going to be in Sydney on the 28th of February uh, next year, a giant dwarf theatre in Red- part of the, uh, Yeah, and of course, that's part of the Mardi Gras program. It's the night before the parade. So if you're Ooh. heading into Sydney for the parade, book a ticket to that the night what before. What a one-two punch. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we also have a Melbourne show live on sale uh, as well which is Mm. uh, Friday the 7th of February 2020 at the Melbourne Spiegel Tent in Collingwood in a Spiegel Tent fine I'll travel to the North Side yet again (laughs) (laughs) and there's no guarantee that these live shows will be available on Spotify no absolutely oh yes we might lose those files so yeah definitely get the tickets buy a ticket you'll never kill the audience (laughs) you never know Uh, and uh, also very exciting um, I've got an interview coming up uh, within this episode with some uh, volunteers from Minus 18 cool the uh, Young People Organisation for Queer Kids. Very exciting. So I'm beautiful in my way. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> Did you write that? Yeah, it just <laughs> came original, to me. Original lyrics. These words just came to me the other day. No, I've been doing a lot of thinking, which is always dangerous. Mm-hmm. But a few weeks ago, I did an interview with Ben Nielsen from ABC about when it's okay and not okay to use the word queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But something that we started to chat about was how more in tune with the fluidity mm. of people's sexuality the younger generations are. And it feels like each generation, people get a bit more in tune that maybe our sexualities and our identities are not such a binary thing yeah. that we're locked into. So I've, I have been thinking about that because someone even asked us as well about using the word queer and the binary structures at our oh, yeah. Q&A at yeah, the live right. show as mm. well. So it just seems to be floating around a lot at the moment. And we had even previously discussed on this very show, scientists doing some DNA mumbo jumbo science stuff <laughs> to ascertain whether there is a genetic mm-hmm. gay gene that mm. causes us to, in the words of Lady Gaga, be born this way. Yeah, And so I am starting to feel like maybe this argument about our sexuality being Mm. ingrained into us from Mm. the moment we exit 
the womb. <laughs> that it may be an outdated concept and something that we're maybe rigidly tied to because historically it's mm. been a pretty good argument mm. for us yeah. in terms of our rights yeah. and the kind of activism that we are engaging in. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's been quite instrumental really in a lot of the movements around the world for LGBTI people. There was some interesting study, I think it was uh, in the 70s in America, something like 10% of people believed that um, you were born with a predisposition right. to be yeah. gay or lesbian, as, as the study was asking at the time, compared to something like about 60%. Uh, in a recent study and it has been a way that a lot of activists have tried to put it into people's minds and it's okay to be gay because mm-hmm. we can't help it but you're right there is now this new um, train of thought that by saying it's okay because we can't help it that we're somehow saying that it wouldn't be okay if we could help it or that we're, some, yeah. we're sort of not as good because it's something mm. that we're born with. Yeah, like the, it's a mistake in our in our in our genetic genetics. makeup. Yeah, so it's and like it's honestly something I've never thought about before. Right. As, uh, but it is a really interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's a negative connotation. It does, yeah. So yeah. it's it's essentially saying it's not a choice because if mm. we had a choice, we, we would choose. Yeah, yeah. The it's like other. being treated like an affliction. Kind yes. Of yeah. Thing. Yeah, and interestingly, a lot of the other human rights movements have shied away from using. Mm. A biological difference mm. as a point of argument. So yeah. you don't see it in the any racial sort yeah. of rights movements. You mm. don't see it in um, women's liberation. Mm-hmm. Am I right in thinking that this argument is basically you should give me rights because I deserve rights, not because you think I was born with something that makes me somehow yeah. less than you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's a really interesting thought because I have always thought of of as we are born this way. Yeah. But the I, more I read is, about this, and then the more you think about it. I feel like we're evolving past that. Yes. Because sexuality is so fluid now and people are moving away from labels, Mm. I think, as a whole kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, There's also been some interesting people, pieces written by uh, people who identify as bisexual, who feel that this born this way thing negates decisions that they've made and Mm -hmm. their their proud connection to their queerness. So if they've chosen to pursue a relationship with somebody who identifies as the same sex as them, that this argument negates the the Mm -hmm. fact that they, whilst perhaps having a predisposition to being attracted to the same sex, they have also chosen to pursue a relationships with yeah. someone in the same mm. sex. Yeah, It's still making things very binary. Yes. But I, I, I think sexuality is sort of like a tray of jello, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're constantly... <laughs> Mine certainly is. <laughs> Mine's a, a belly of jello, yeah. It's a visual metaphor, guys. <laughs> a belly shot. And, and we're constantly kind of tape it down to be one specific thing. Mm. And I think we have always lived in an age where for some people, Mm. their sexual partners are a choice. Mm. And that has to be okay. Yes. So Mm -hmm. Cynthia Nixon, who we all know- She's the redhead in Sex Sex and the City. The redhead from Sex and the City. I don't watch it, but yes, that one. Famously got crucified for publicly saying in an interview, uh, she said, I've been straight and I've been gay and gay is better. Mm. For me, it was a choice. I don't and, like that. <laughs> and I, I can understand yeah. why people would harangue her because at that time we didn't have all of the rights that we do right yeah. now. And, and it did feel like giving a, a bone to our mm-hmm. enemies for people to say, well, look at what this famous lesbian saying. Mm. She's saying, you guys all chose it. Yeah. So stop choosing it and mm. stop coming for me for your marriage equality, yeah. guys. But with mindsets changing, we have to start accepting that for some people their sexuality is that mm. fluid yeah. and they have made a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for them, if they're bisexual, um, if they're pansexual, mm. for example, yeah. they do make choices to be in queer relationships and should be proud of that yeah. Yeah. and not feel like they're handicapping mm-hmm. themselves if 
is that yeah. what it mean in sport when you yeah 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 you handicap, do a handy yeah. it also there's also an argument that um it sort of devalues people's experiences so if someone was to come out like later past in, relationships well yeah exactly yeah, it it's saying that if you that. if you say later in life come out as gay yeah that any relationship you've had up until was then meant nothing was, was yeah. nothing and was not real and and was you faking that's not it. fair and that's not true either because of course sexuality is on a spectrum mm. and yes some of us stay on in the one spot on that yeah. spectrum but some people do genuinely move from one place to another so you can be yeah i don't yeah i don't like the idea that then, someone decides that you have to pick something you have yeah. to stay with that so you can choose i mean i don't know i'm still not like weird about choosing but like you can evolve past that and things can change yes absolutely so yeah you yeah. can't I, I guess it's saying that that this argument that this born this way thing applies to everyone mm. um, that that has a diverse uh, sexual preference. It's saying that, that we it kind of comes down to like experimenting versus lying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 What? Like some people think that they've been lying their whole lives to themselves and lying to everyone else about their sexuality, uh. but they've actually just been experimenting. So who are they to tell them? Oh, not even experimenting. They yeah. can genuinely. Be... Or like, or like that's their journey. Yeah. Like that's their you whole can... se- sexuality journey. Yeah. People's exactly. sexuality yeah. can change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Evolve. Yeah. And, and, and the born this way argument sort of devalues that, that mm. argument as well. Uh, I mean, a lot of the research now indicates that there is both nature and nurture mm-hmm. elements that, I've always um, kind of thought both yeah. for that and the nature versus the, the, that sort of have an effect on on our how we um, yeah. view our mm-hmm. sexual identity. For me, that's definitely the case. I mean, if you sort of you want to get really scientific about it, and you can you can look at like identical twins, where one um, mm. might identify as uh, bisexual or, or gay, mm. and the other one um, heterosexual. Well, if they've had the same sort of exposure in, in life practices, and there must be something else yeah. there, you know? I mean, for myself, having a gay older brother, mm. it has made me think that it is genetic. I mean, we share the same mum, but haven't necessarily no, had... That, I see that argument doesn't work either, because there's lots of people that are in yeah. families of nine or ten that where there's only one person in the family that's... Yeah. And then there's others that have, might have six people, you know? <laughs> we don't know, because we yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the answer is that we just need to stop applying the rules that make sense to us. Like for mm-hmm. me, I know I was born with that. I wished I wasn't for yeah. so long and there was absolutely no decision for me mm-hmm. in choosing to be gay. I, I am a gay yeah. man and that is absolutely 100% what I am. But that does not mean that what applies mm-hmm. to me and what works for me applies to everybody else. Mm. Yeah. And I think as a community, we need to get better at being open to the idea that other people have come about to their sexuality mm-hmm. or their gender identity even uh, in, a, in a different process to the yeah. way that we have. Yeah, stop trying to box people yeah. in and trying to make sense of other people's journeys. Like, yeah. It seems a bit harmful it's, it's in the way of, that people do it. It makes me laugh in a lot of ways because I, I do feel like sometimes we're blind to, to the way that we treat the other members of our community. Yeah. If someone else's experience doesn't match up with their experience, it's suddenly oh, it's wrong. invalid yeah. Mm, yeah. or fake or mm-hmm. they're lying, etc. And that's often how heteronormative society views our culture. Yes. So yeah. it's like the same uh, thing. I do think a lot of these trains of thought, these these camps of thought, like the born the way born this way idea, were born out of a need for really strong definitive statements Mm -hmm. because Mm. we had little to no human rights. We've talked about it before, how the community as a whole needed to really band together Mm. to get the fundamental stuff sorted out. And I think we needed really strong messages. We needed really unified Mm -hmm. statements, Mm. but it's getting to a point now where the statement's 
don't actually They're apply, yeah. Yeah. and they are, in my so opinion, outdated. I believe, I, I believe that. I think it did. It, it got a message yeah. across. Yeah. We got up for some and maybe of our it was members. a very basic way for heterosexual people to see what was going on and and to sympathise with it in a weird yes. way. But I don't think society is still at that level no, anymore. No, we are evolving past that. Yeah. So I think these ideologies are a bit outdated, mm. and they don't pay full respect to mm. the broad spectrum of experiences in our community. Mm. Yeah. And they're the voices that keep us interesting. Mm-hmm. We start searching out more interesting art and more interesting stories, and they're all from the fringes of our community mm-hmm. now. Yeah. It's from the trans community that Definitely. we're like, oh, I want more of this. This is amazing. They're doing incredible stuff. Mm. So that's where our attention should always kind of be, I think. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you could even extrapolate on this and sort of look at the different terms that we use within the community and, and how they don't even really always serve a purpose. So we, we've, we have terms mm, like gay, yeah. lesbian, bisexual, and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But my experience of being gay can be completely different to, I mean, I, I'm a gay man who's had sex with women and will probably have sex with women in the future, Yeah, but I still identify as gay because for mm. 99.9, it's just easier for me to explain it that way. But why I, restrict yourself? Yeah. Well, but that's, a, yeah. that's the question. My, yeah. my term, my, what I see as gay isn't necessarily what you see as gay. So you yeah. could even sort of expand this and say, are these like even terms, that term is a spectrum. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Kinsey scale. Glue. Yeah. Are these terms still used? useful uh, and maybe in the future we'll sort of mm-hmm. be saying that they aren't perhaps the three of us are not mm-hmm. particularly yeah, yeah, similar yeah. in <laughs> any sort yeah. of fashion yeah and how Other, we do gay is different yeah even the holes we pick are different yeah. <laughs> the way we are gay yeah it's very different is very different yeah. to one another and that's what makes our podcast so great. <laughs> <laughs> categorically we are one we we, we are lump one. ourselves into yeah. this thing and and i f- i feel like perhaps in the same way that this born this way argument sort of goes mm-hmm. have we done that so that people can understand us a bit better like have we just given yeah. ourselves a blanket term so that straight people can go oh that's what that is that's what that is and i can understand it if i put it into these binary terms of what yeah. what category i do like as a whole that we are moving away from these very specific labels and mm. kind of moving for a more blanket term like queer yeah i think it is just an easier way and a less stressful way of yeah. just describing things because you don't have to feel like you have to do certain things or yeah be yeah you know what the interesting thing with that is so carl is when we do let go of some of these ideas yeah. and we start to move to broader definitions mm-hmm. of people's sexuality we have to be comfortable with elements coming in that we're not familiar with. Familiar with. So Which is important. Which is really important. And that is when you start seeing people that present Mm -hmm. as say heterosexual cis women, for example, in your spaces. Yes. You know, that's the blurring of old definitions Mm -hmm. because those people may identify as queer. Yeah. Um, or they may have a different sexual identity than the binary LGBT letters. Definitely. And as a community, I think that's where we struggle a bit mm, is we're mm. like, oh yeah, these letters are outdated. These terms are outdated. These ideas are outdated. Yeah. But when something comes into my space that I'm not familiar <laughs> with, yeah. I'm going to flip the fuck. The- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also uh, another side of the, that and some of the um, hesitations I feel like some mm-hmm. people from my generation and perhaps generations older than me is, is that when we hear things like, oh, we're using new terms and stuff, that perhaps the terms that they identify with and are comfortable with, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be allowed to use anymore. And I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about saying to people, you can't identify as gay anymore or you can't identify as lesbian anymore. Yeah, it's not telling people what to do. It's not telling you you can't do that. If that's the terms that you're comfortable with, and and, and perhaps that's where I'm coming from with myself, Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable being a gay man and referring to myself as a gay man. 
but the fact that other people want to start using the term queer does yeah. not stop me it's, from doing that. And yeah, I, it's about and being so we comf- need, yeah, it's we about need to be open to people using mm, new words mm. and not be scared that they're going to stop us from identifying as whatever the fuck we want. It's to about being comfortable with. with yourself, but we're also creating a space for more a broader range of people to become yeah. comfortable with themselves. Yeah, you know, and, and even just to to remove these labels because we are all just yeah. fucking human beings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So I'm so excited because today we are joined by Adrian Murdoch from Minus 18, along with uh, Lucy and Rochelle, who are both volunteers and uh, punters at Minus 18 uh, and queer teenagers. First of all, thanks so much for being here, everyone. Hello, Thank hello, you. hello. It's <laughs> <laughs> thrilled to have you. Um, Adrian, first of all, can you tell us a bit about uh, Minus 18? Um, just for people who don't know what, what they actually do, what you guys do, uh, and also what your goals are heading into 2020. For sure. So, Minus 18, if you don't know us, we're uh, Australia's largest charity for LGBTQ young people. Mm-hmm. So, our, our main game is events and workshops and campaigns. So, that's events such as the Queer Formal, which is super wholesome, super cute, yes. Uh, workshops is delivering to schools and workplaces on gender and sexuality. And our campaigns are things like Wear It Purple, Ida Hobbit, Trans Awareness Week. Um, and, you know, we use that as a way to educate and, and grow awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020. Uh, 2020 looks like Mardi Gras, which is super exciting. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we're taking queer formal to Mardi Gras, which is going to be huge, huge yeah. very huge. We've got Midsummer, of course, here in Melbourne, which is fantastic. And for people that don't know, the queer formal started in Melbourne, didn't it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So we do it in Melbourne and then it grew to Adelaide mm-hmm. and now it's done in Sydney. Brilliant. And I remember there was a bit of um, controversy a few years ago with the Australian Christian Lobby and some other rather evil people uh-huh. uh, trying to stop uh, the kids from being able to go by buying up all Correct. the tickets. Can you tell us what happened 
when uh, that what the community yes. did when uh, that happened. For sure. Do you know? Do you know the story, Lucy and Rochelle? No, I, it's my favorite because yeah. it really <laughs> yeah. backfired, which yeah. is fantastic. I love it when things backfire for yeah. the Australian Christian lobby. It's my favorite thing. Mm, <laughs> it's my favorite hobby. <laughs> so uh, traditionally, um, when we first started the queer formal um, to to get it off the ground and make it a success, we would have to sell tickets, mm-hmm. and so the Australian Christian lobby worked together to purchase all the tickets for this, you know, thirteen to nineteen year old event, which is really boo. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the idea being that then no one would be able to go, yeah. 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 But on the plus side, what that meant was that we could open up the event to make it completely free for mm-hmm. all the attendees to come along. And so that actually was really where Queer Formal was born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and best of all from that as well is that, uh, you know, there was a bit of fear that like those people who purchased the tickets would come and, you know, like try to ruin the event or be mm. outside the front of it. And so a lot of members of the community came and wore these big angel wings and stood out the outside the front of it as like this like big vanguard and, you know, to, to make sure all the young people were safe and, you know, felt comfortable. And it was, it was brilliant. So, you know, since then, every queer formal we've delivered since has been free because we we're like, Which you know is amazing, what? yeah. Because yeah. I assume, uh, I mean, look, it's been years since I was a, a teenager. And uh, unfortunately, when I was, I didn't know anything about Minus 18. It wasn't until mm-hmm. I turned 18, but a lot of my friends were part of Minus 18. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids, obviously, um, might not be able to ask their parents for money for a ticket, I'm guessing. Yeah. So um, how do you sort of get the word out to those kids that they can get tickets and that sort of thing? For sure. We've got a really huge social media following. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think comparatively very much the same. I didn't know about Minus 18 until into my early 20s. Um, and actually, funnily, that's how I got involved. I started as a volunteer as well. I did our social media because of very much of that nature of like, you know, I wish more people understood this. Mm. So, you know, that could be a variation of we've got a closed... Um, private Facebook group, Minus 18 Teens, where mm-hmm. our cohort can hang out and talk to each other, talk about events. Um, we've got a huge Instagram following because we've got some pretty good memes going on up yes. there. <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, that's very much like uh, a reflection of, I guess, this day and age, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we all exist on online and yep. young people know that's where you can get information, where you can meet other people, where you can learn about identities. Um, so, you know, we've, we've, I think, done well to kind of live on that space as well. Yeah. Now, Adrian, there's also a huge focus on the T part of our acronym at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, we've just celebrated Trans Awareness Week. Uh, how is Minus 18 working towards equality for young trans Australians? And what work is there still to be done? So actually, yeah, very timely on the back of Trans Awareness Week, which yep. was the last week. Minus 18 has such a, a large trans and gender diverse cohort, which is phenomenal. It's really kind of been a big part of our young community. So as part of that, our like volunteer and staff cohort is very representative of that. So we've been able to to work with a lot of different other community organizations to, to bring that together. So, you know, most recently for Trans Awareness Week, we worked with Transgender Victoria to do a free workshop for mm-hmm. um, teachers and parents to, to learn and kind of like go beyond the binary in, in relation to that. You know, for us, it's very much just looking at, I guess, where workplaces and schools are sort of like falling behind. And I think yeah. that comes to having a space for conversations. You know, to this day, people still really get scared about the conversation around pronouns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people are just scared of making a mistake. Yeah. And because we're lucky enough to work with young people, we understand that, you know, mistakes are an important way of learning. So, yeah. you know, how can you make that space um, and make it okay to, yeah. to make that mistake if it means that, you know, you've your heart's in the right place and you want to make that learn. Mm. So patient. You've actually had, in fact, I've got my bag here, my, my minus 18, uh, some uh, some people are trans get over it bag here. You've had some fantastic campaigns uh, over the years with yes. some of those great slogans. Uh, now, you mentioned Midsummer as uh, obviously yes. something that minus 18 are very involved in. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, and it's coming up in January. I'm doing my own show. That's just a plug. It's got nothing yeah. to do with it. Uh, now, Minus 18 hosts the Youth Precinct, which is the largest cohort in the Pride March with over a thousand attendees, which is incredible. How important is it that queer kids in Melbourne and across Australia have access to these kind of events? Totally. I think huge. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a... To see visibly as a young person how many other young people are out there who, who are queer or are allies or supporters, you know, mm-hmm. that there's a huge community out there, even if it's a very hot day. Yes. <laughs> it is very worth it. You know, there's such a sense of solidarity. Yeah. It's such a fun experience. You know, the um, post-Pride March event down the bottom has really yeah. kind of grown to f- have like that sense of community as well. So you almost get two Midsummer Carnivals mm. for, the, for the Pride yeah. one. Midsummer Carnival Day, I have to say, is one of my favourite days. It is. Of the entire year because you do, you know, you've got your wonderful uh, uh, minus 18 area set up. You've got, you know, your dog shows. Mm -hmm. um, You've got stuff for your bears. You've got your your rugby teams set up with things. The gay bars have things set up. And it's a really beautiful cross section of our community, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, you know, rainbow families even have a section set up where they've got like a little playgroup for kids. Yeah. And I love seeing you guys there every year. It's it's really exciting to see the full spectrum of our community. Yeah. And our our youth precinct has grown so much every year. So, you know, we've kind of grown to be our own sort of like miniature. Midsummer Carnival in, in essence so, yeah. you know we're so self-sufficient and you know the best part is that you know we do it early afternoon so yeah. we're the party before the party starts so you know it's like 4 o'clock 5 o'clock we've got our own like in-house DJs and mm-hmm. everyone's sort of like I want to be in there and it's sort of like no this is you know the, the teen space yeah, that's it. That's sorry fun. about it but also not sorry yeah. <laughs> this is you've got you've got tea dancing an hour just sort of like hang out with you know as you say like the dog show yeah. and you know you'll, you'll get your time but it's it's awesome that you know we can give the space that you know young people want and you know a fun space and a space that makes everyone else jealous because that's really important absolutely uh now you and i have talked a lot and yes. people are sick of hearing old people talk <laughs> we're very okay boomer and this is a really exciting opportunity for us to talk to the new generation and it's something we haven't done much on this podcast a lot of people we've had a special guest that we've had on are, are, are people older than you guys so lucy and rochelle please can you tell us a little bit about yourselves i want to hear your age how you identify and how you came to realize your, your identities So, hi, my name's Lucy and I'm 16 years old and I identify as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And I first kind of figured out that I was some part of the community when I was in like grade five or six. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of feel the pressure, heteronormative pressure as a young kid to fit into the box and to go after boys. And I started to notice that, hey, girls are just as interesting as they are. Like, what's stopping me from having interest in them? And that kind of grew as I got older and I developed through all these different identities and yeah, uh, yeah, it kind of moved through the whole spectrum for a while there until I finally landed with this label that I feel suits me most because this is what I feel more comfortable and yeah yeah, it took me a while but I'm here I think I I just have to say I think you're amazing both of you (laughs) um I was probably around about the same age when I started questioning, you know, how I fitted into the world. But it was years and years and years before I was uh, able to come out proud and, and say that. Yeah. So for you at 16 years old to, to be able to come onto a podcast and talk about that openly, um, I think you should be really, really proud of that. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and, and Rochelle, how about yourself? Um, I identify as queer. Yeah. And so I think I was, I was like nine years old. Wow. Um, yeah. I like had a crush on this girl, mm-hmm. but growing up as like an Asian like, it's very taboo, yep. like, homosexuality. And I guess I, like, felt a lot of, like, shame and guilt sure. when I was, like, a young age. It wasn't until, like, I was 11 or 12 that I finally, like, accepted that I wasn't straight. Mm-hmm. And after that, after knowing that it's normal, it's okay to be who I am, mm-hmm. that made, like, the coming out process, like, a lot more easy. Absolutely. Yeah. And have you had support from your family with that? Or is it something you've um, not yet talked to your family about? 
I came out to my brother a few months ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, Very exciting. With my parents, I, I think I might wait a few more years. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. fine. You do it when yeah. you're ready. Yeah. Um, queer is a word I'd really like to talk to you about. It's, it's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast because for my generation and generations older, it's definitely not something we would have yeah. called ourselves yeah. at your age. But, I, I mean, personally, I now think it's a wonderful all-embracing term, but it obviously means different things for different people in different generations. What does the term queer mean for you? So, I find this label more comfortable. Yep. I find, like, bisexual, like, pansexual, like, too restrictive. Yep. Um, I think, for me, the word queer means other than straight. Yes. And is that sort of how you see it as well, Yeah, Lucy? kind yeah. of. It's For me, queer is something to label both a self and the community because, mm-hmm. like, we're, it's so long and hard and people struggle to get, like, the correct way of sell- saying the full, like, LGBTQI plus community. Mm-hmm. And just saying queer gives a kind of positive, in a sense, for this generation yeah. Yeah. connotation to us. And, and there's also... Like taking the word back. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah, it's a great way of rec- reclaiming the word yeah. and, uh, and and making it our own, which I think is brilliant. Um, now, Minus 18 have just hosted the Adelaide Queer Formal, as we are just Correct. talking about, as part of the Feast Festival, which I was just over there for. I absolutely love Adelaide, love Feast Festival. And uh, as you're saying, the Sydney Queer Formal is now on sale as part of the Mardi Gras uh, Festival Suite in 2020. Rochelle, you've done the Queer Formal before, haven't you? Yeah. In Melbourne? Yep. Yeah. So, I think Queer Formal was my first event. Right. And yeah. was it was that this year? Yeah. This yeah. Year. How was yeah. it? It was amazing. Yeah. Like, what kind just, of stuff happens? Just seeing, like, everyone be themselves. Like, it's so comforting. So, um, I think I volunteered uh, at the Glitter Station, mm-hmm. which is... um. So, we get to, like, put glitter on, like... The attendees. Amazing. And Lucy, have you done a queer formal yet? Um, yeah, I've been an attendee twice. Oh, wow. And then after one of the events, like one of the queer formals, I was just volunteering, packing up and stuff. Yeah, cool. And they're both in Melbourne? Yeah, both in Melbourne. Great. And do either of you have any dreams to be going to one of the interstate ones? Maybe. 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 Cool. <laughs> we'll get some sponsorship. Yeah. Or something. We'll get a minor thinking road show. Yeah, yeah. 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 Take it on the road. road yeah. show. <laughs> uh, now, Lucy, growing up, Queer in 2019 is a very different experience to when I grew up, obviously, uh, which is very different again to the generation before me. Yeah. Um, how do you see your experience as different to generations before you? And do you feel like there's anything that you've sort of learnt from uh, how previous generations have uh, grown up? Yeah, definitely. I think this generation, it's, I wouldn't say easier, but mm-hmm. it's a lot kind of chiller mm-hmm. being queer than other generations because we've got so much awareness and yeah. the stigma has moved from a negative stigma to a pos- positive one. Mm-hmm. So everyone's becoming more accepting of that there are people who aren't stray and that there are people who aren't cis. Mm-hmm. And we're just moving forward with that as a society to yeah. better understand these type of people like us because because I've noticed in other generations, there have been queer people, there's been like a huge history of us, but this generation we're seeing more and more queer people come yeah. out and we're seeing more people become more accepting with themselves because I think today's society has become more welcoming and we've become more loving yeah. of everyone. And do you think that's because we're having more conversations about it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's we're being taught more and we're seeing it more in both the media and mm. in real life and in marches and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Young kids are definitely getting more exposed to it. Yeah, absolutely. Media can sometimes, people say it's a bit trivial, sort of having um, TV characters and TV news reporters or whatever that are openly gay or queer or lesbian or whatever. But we've talked about a lot on this show before. I think it must be 
really amazing for young people to be seeing so many characters. When I was young, there was like Will and Grace and that was about it. And now it's like every Netflix show, every new show on every you know panel show always has some sort of queer representation. Do you think that's sort of a positive influence for, for young people to sort of see that sort of representation? I think it's very positive to have re- representation of queer people in the media for young people who mm-hmm. are starting to question. But I feel like sometimes that can have some negative connotation because mm-hmm. it's like it's like the gay character like there's a stereotype surrounding the gay character which some shows have abolished and they've gotten like like Brooklyn Nine-Nine like Rosa Diaz like that's completely Mm -hmm. so far away from the quote-unquote gay character that we've all been used to seeing but I think definitely moving away from the negative stereotypical gay characters so we want to keep seeing representation but we want to make it a more diverse yeah a more diverse and like yeah and have you had a chance through Minus 18 to sort of connect with any people from older generations um yeah I've with all the like coordinators and do I count as an older generation you do I'm sorry (laughs) to tell you but you do in this conversation Adrian (laughs) yeah like you meet a lot of like older generations who are more willing to discuss like stuff that they've done Mm. and especially like i went to the what was it the day that we just kind of talked about the future oh yeah we did our strategic planning day yeah Mm -hmm. there was a lot of like um older generation queer people who were really inspiring and we got to hear a lot about what they've done for the community and how they've helped and it was yeah it was really awesome yes Mm. we can the board the board are very much like another generation (laughs) makes me feel a bit younger i um i still find myself uh meeting people from from generations older than me and uh i think it'll be Exciting for you guys if you decide to go into the physical uh, queer spaces in the future, bars and and clubs and that sort of th- uh, not clubs as in nightclubs, but clubs as in you know activity groups and that sort of thing. Um, I'm still meeting people. I, I, we just got back from Adelaide where we got to meet an amazing um, drag queen and activist called Gertrude Glossop, um, and she was telling us stories that blew my mind. I had no idea about the history of, of gay Adelaide. So I'm excited for you for you guys when you do if you do decide to step into those spaces as you get older to to be meeting more people. And I think, you know, as well, like conversely, learning so much from the absolutely. younger generation yeah, is, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've found working at Minus 18, particularly, you know, understanding what's different between, say, for instance, your generation versus like mine, like growing up like early 90s. And like, you know, even things when we look at like the prominence of like identity around like non-binary and pansexual mm-hmm. and what space and, you know, I guess queer falls into this as well. There's like space now to kind of be that identity mm. and have that room to have a little bit more fluidity and figure yep. things out. I feel like, you know, even in the 90s, it was just sort of like, you know, if you came out as gay or lesbian, it was mm. sort of this still this binary. It's mm-hmm. basically yeah. our parents were very much like, are you straight or gay? Yes. Versus being able to figure that out yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, and seeing that in like, you know, a younger generation generation is like fantastic and they're like you know this is me right now because i just need time to figure yeah. it out and it's yeah. the I, I have to agree i've learned so much from the younger generation a lot of that sort of stuff and even about um why words are important that sort of thing when mm. i was your age it was still completely appropriate to use an awful slang word for trans people that was on the names of posters at clubs and that oh, sort of yeah. thing like mm. it was just a thing but you know as the younger generation sort of came forward and were like hey have you considered how that word can make people feel when they hear it yeah it's really taught me to remove certain words from my vocabulary and also to start thinking about how other people in the community live which is exciting so thank Mm -hmm. you to your generation for that (laughs) now Rochelle can you tell us a bit about your experience coming out and how Minus 18 played a role in that so I came out to my friends two years ago Mm -hmm. and I used to think that it's like a one-off event thing where after saying like two words I would be like free and like liberated yeah since that 
I've learned that like it's an everyday process. Like sometimes Absolutely. I would feel so happy, so accepting of myself, and other days I would still feel that residual like shame and guilt.、Mm-hmm. So it's hard. But like this year, since like meeting like people in the community through like minus eighteen and through volunteering, like it's been such a positive experience, and I meet like other queer people. Who've gone through like the similar things,、mm. and it's made me feel like less alone because like、yeah. growing up, I used to think like I was like the only one. Absolutely, we all and do. Yeah, so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, and and look, it is something that you know we do we do on a, a minute level every day for the rest of our lives、yeah. in the workplace and and even just on public transport. If you're wearing a certain outfit, you're in a, in effect coming out to people、yeah. around someone, you and、yeah. that sort of thing. Someone very close to me once said when I was fresh coming out. Um, she's a lesbian. She said to me, "You never stop coming out.、Yeah. Like it's not something that you do once, and it's just that's it.、Yeah. That's it's out. You've、yeah. got to keep on doing it. It's never going to be just one event."、And、yeah. I, that- I don't know. It's always stuck with me. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's it's something that I didn't realize until a guest actually talked to us about it recently. I was like, oh yeah, I do. Like I thought I'd finished coming、yeah. out, and I do <laughs> still. Every time I meet a new person,、yeah. you still have to do it. But、um, again, congratulations on on telling your brother, and and I hope that、uh, when you do decide to tell、yeah. more people, that it gets easier、yeah. and easier because that's the experience I've felt as as,、yeah. as you get older. You, you... I feel like as. The more people you come out to, the more comfortable you Absolutely, are. Absolutely, yeah,、yourself. and also the bigger the support group that you have,、yeah. the easier and easier it is because you know inevitably there's going to be some assholes in the future.、Yeah. But when you've got that big support group, that just becomes you know water off a duck's back、mm-hmm. eventually. Now, Lucy, we know that finding、uh, our own queer family is more likely when we're part of an organisation like、yeah. Minus Eighteen. So, Lucy, what has been your experience with with that? Um, with Minus Eighteen, I've kind of found two queer families because I started attending Minus Eighteen events back in twenty seventeen、mm-hmm. in the first like the under the sea kind of dance party,、mm-hmm. yeah, and that's where I kind of first grasped the idea of a second family、mm-hmm. because I do have queer people in my family and they've always been a, they'll be part of like my journey, but finding. A family that I get to choose was just such a huge thing that minus thirteen definitely helped with because the more events I went to, the more I realized that, yeah, these people are my family, and now I do have a very close knit family of minus thirteen past attendees and stuff、mm. like that. And joining the volunteer program gave me another family as well because I didn't realize I'd get really close to these people, and we have a little group chat, we send like <laughs> memes to each other, like we're now really like. Basically, a family. Brilliant, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's really nice. I don't know if you guys have heard of a wonderful、uh, HIV stigma activist called Nick Hollis,、um, but he's absolutely fascinating.、Uh, we had him on once, and he、uh, taught me the phrase: "You've got your biological family and your logical family." And I thought that's a really nice <laughs>、yeah. way of thinking of the two families that we have as queer people.、Uh, now, in America this month, we saw dozens of students at a Californian Catholic high school stage a walkout after their teachers threatened to out a gay classmate to her parents if she didn't attend counselling due to her sexual orientation. Awful.、Uh, how supported do you feel by other students at your schools? Are, are you? I guess first of all, are, are you out at school? I'm. I'm out at school.、Yep. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for me because、mm-hmm. I wasn't out until technically grade nine, like、mm-hmm. the very beginning of grade nine. But I was known as Lucy the lesbian in grade eight,、right. even though that wasn't my label at the time.、Mm-hmm. And I didn't know people called me that until like this year.、Mm-hmm. And so someone did out me as Lucy the lesbian、oh, at a year, at year eight, which was kind of a little bit doggish to me、yeah. now, where I'm、yeah. like like uncomfortable. But people knew me as that before I knew me as、yeah. that. So that kind of took away that little element for me, but my school's been pretty accepting. Like it's an all-girls school, so、mm-hmm. no one's going to be like physical towards you. Yeah. But I've never had anyone really say that 
much to me. And if it has been, it's been like discreet. So it's like, they won't say it to my face. Yeah, sure. And do they have like, uh, I went to an all boys Catholic school in the nineties and uh, early noughties and our sex ed was very vanilla and very heteronormative. And there was absolutely no discussion about just what it is to be queer. Is it, was there, is there any support in the actual um, curriculum about what, what, what queerness is or, or, or being gay um, or lesbian? At my school, not yet. Mm-hmm. It's a Methodist school by tradition. Right. Yeah. Um, we were or still are part of the United Church. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we still are. I don't think we are, but we, we do RE and stuff like that. Yeah. I know that in my year nine class last year in health ed, it was very heteronormative. Mm-hmm. And the one time we talked about gay people, the whole class turned and looked at me. Oh, that's... Yeah, because, oh, like, I was so out. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like, cool, like, that's the, the thing one. that yeah. happens. And, like, I knew that I wasn't going to learn anything from that class. Mm. So I just kind of sat in the back the whole time and just chilled out. Mm. But I think my GSA now is pushing for more inclusive sex ed. And we had my SA team come and talk to us Great. Um, this year as well. Fantastic. So okay, yeah. so they're, they're talking about, like, queer life Yeah, like, they're trying to... They are talking about queer people in my school it's just Mm. not the stuff that is beneficial and helpful to Mm. queer people who are growing up okay what about you Rochelle well my school sex ed is quite the same yeah Yeah. um (laughs) basically all we learn is like how to put a condom in a banana yeah (laughs) that's the extent of it yeah Um, I don't think our school even believed in condoms I think we were supposed (laughs) to pretend they didn't exist (laughs) but um at my school, we don't even have like a gay straight alliance. Yeah, right. So it's so not, not really, really talking about how to to about. treat queer people or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, right. That's a shame. But I'm out to like all of my closest friends at high mm-hmm. school, and you feel supported by them. Yeah, Fantastic. so it's not like something that it's like not unusual for like people yeah. to be like queer. Mm-hmm. But no, but nobody like really talks about it. So. so, do you think that's more just because the students are progressive rather than the school teaching them to be yeah, progressive? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so really, it's again more, another yeah. case of the, the the students teaching the school rather than yeah, school teaching the students. Yeah. That's a shame, but I'm glad you guys feel supported in your own networks. The difference of things like Instagram and how yeah. you know when you get to high school and you know you follow everyone in your year level and you're kind of like, all right, I'm on board, I'm invested. Yeah. And I imagine that, you know, I grew up on MySpace. Um, yeah. But, you know, the difference to of... dial-up internet. Yeah, <laughs> with Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, Instagram, I can imagine now, it's sort of like, you know, you watch the lives of, like, a couple hundred of your peers and you see them grow and you see them evolve and you sort of see, I guess, like, elements of, like, you know, if you're, you're potentially queer or, like, you know, gender diverse or whatever it might be, it sort of, it becomes a little bit normalized because you've seen that sort of slowly change and that evolution and that mm. kind of dialogue. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting that you're so involved into other people's lives yeah. and I, I think you know to that point that you know boomers make about you know that you, you share so much it it's like arguably maybe a positive because it's sort of like you're sharing this sort of journey that you're yeah. taking yeah, definitely. and everyone can reconcile with that because it's not this sort of like dramatic moment of mm. like oh what like you know you're you're queer you've come out it's mm. sort of you sort of you naturally empathize because you've you've seen that and that's like a huge difference mm. i guess between you know noughties to, to now is that yeah. that's how young people live high schools are quite their own little world like because yeah. i know that i was the first person to come out on my year level and kind of no one really knew many other people throughout the school mm-hmm. my year and the year below me are definitely the most out year level that i think my school has seen mm-hmm. and i was kind of like the gay mother of it all because yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, it started with me and then like a whole bunch of other people have started to be like oh like 
I realize that now and there's a lot more other out people now than there were before. And especially the year below us, there's a whole lot of queer people who have had the kind of guts to come out. But I've noticed down in like year seven, they're not... I would say as accepting because I think they're too young to and kind of grasp it. Yeah, because yeah, no that. one really kind of comes out until you're not eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Like that's a kind of thing where people start to go, "Oh, this is what." Yeah, is- yeah. I mean, I guess a, a lot of people sort of have their sexual awakening in those years, and that's sort of when we start to realize mm-hmm. who we're attracted to, and also start sort of looking at our own bodies and that sort of thing. Adrian mentioned Instagram before. I'm really keen to hear because I didn't have the internet growing up; mm-hmm. uh, it didn't exist. Uh, I'm really keen to hear how you both feel the internet has shaped your queer identity. So I think um, when I first was questioning my identity, I went on like YouTube a lot and Instagram Mm. a lot. So I just basically followed like all the queer artists I know or like gay YouTubers and I watched like their coming out video. Mm -hmm. So I found like this um, page where it's like ships you know, like yeah. TV show ships. Yeah, I get you. What so is where it? they run like... <laughs> like, you know, like when you ship a couple, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah so like say, ship a couple. I have no idea what, what that means. <laughs> uh, I'm so uncool. Yeah. I know. Uh, so. What's shipping a couple? It's like, um, God, it's like picturing them together. Like, oh. you want them to be together, so that's like a ship. Oh, so like yeah. a celebrity couple or something like kind that. Kind of. Yeah. But like, oh, I'm learning... See, like you're teaching the older generation. I guess, you know, like, you know, almost like a... Sean Mendes and Camilla, yeah. like, you know, like you love like a like, um, yeah. fa- fantasy fiction kind like of thing. Like yeah. yeah. you ship couples, you ship like actual ones or like yeah. fictional or like mm-hmm. they're not together, but maybe they could be. Oh, like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you found a website like that and you sort of started. Yeah. So yeah. like I met like a few internet friends who were also queer because we found each other through that page. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Adrian, yes. we know that bullying based on sexual orientation at schools can leave queer kids with lasting effects into their adulthood. Mm. What do you see as barriers to education for uh, queer kids in a schooling environment? And how does Minus 18 try to mitigate those sorts of things? Oh, it's very multifaceted. You know, you look at something as tangible as safe schools, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, which was you know rolled out federally. Um, yeah. And we're quite fortunate in Victoria is still part of the curriculum. The curriculum. Um, you know, there's elements of that can be sort of like taken and left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you compare that to, I guess, you know, South Australia, which, you know, depending on your government, have completely stripped it. And, you mm-hmm. know, something like that doesn't exist. So from very much from the top, it's, you know, been cut off. And it really sort of suffocates that, like being a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see we see that comparison when we do events and workshops between, you know, Melbourne Queer Formal and Adelaide Queer Formal and the difference between the conversations that you can have in that school environment because of, you know, what exists. You know, I, I totally identify with the fact that, like, I went to, like, public school out in the West and, you know, there was just no visibility, no awareness, no conversation it was, like, taboo. Yeah. And so it made it feel like queerness was taboo. And mm. I feel like that's such a barrier you know if you know your point lucy around that younger generations look to your year level um and you know if there are are people who are out you know they see that and they're kind of like oh you know that it's it's okay you know i'm not going to be ostracized Mm. for it um you know it's just all those sort of like ripples be it other people who are out you know seeing a poster seeing like a rainbow flag that's like risen on ida hobbit and things like that you know you're just looking for something to say that it's okay i remember just thinking like we had a, a gay teacher and you know that was it he mm. was just the gay teacher was his identifier and you know that you just become that identity, not, you know, the human that you are. Mm. 
Uh, one thing I'm really keen to know about, I, I know a lot of um, gay men that I'm, gay identifying men that I'm friends with, and even myself, found that up until the day we turned 18, we weren't able to go into a gay space. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we had access to gay bars where we could buy drugs, stay out all night, buy as much booze as we want, seven nights a week. We found that it was, it was a weird thing because other kids sort of, you know, went to house parties with their straight friends and, and would start drinking a little bit, you know, their parents would let them have a little bit of booze at these parties mm-hmm. with their straight friends and that sort of stuff and were sort of gradually welcomed into their community as adults. But for us, we felt like the day we turned 18, we got given an ID that gave us access to these spaces that we hadn't really warmed up to, I guess, for yeah. want of a better word. Minus 18 is open to uh, people up to the age of 20, am I right? 19. 19. Yeah. Is there any sort of transition period there? F- f- do you have like workshops to teach kids about what it's like when they're going to be going into those sorts of spaces? Mm-hmm. Is there support that they can still access once they've sort of hit that 19-year-old cutoff uh, age? Totally. For the most part, the average age of our attendees are about 15 to 17. Yep. Um, like mm-hmm. everything you were saying. I so strongly resonate with yeah. of like becoming 18. It was and, our first connection to the community. Yeah, that I thought yeah. like, you know, the LGBTQ community was gay clubs and that was a really mm. like unhealthy, you know, perspective. But I, you know, and I stood by that for like so many years. I thought that was it, right? You know, mm. this is to be gay is to go to the, go to the peel. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not, there's, you know, you don't become an ally to, I guess, like, you know, the other LG, you know, IBQ mm. in that um, you don't realize, I guess, you know, the support systems and networks that are out there, um, mm. you know, clubs, as you say, like activities and stuff where you can just like foster relationships and learn from other people who've had those shared experiences. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, for, for us, we try to act like that conduit to sort yeah. of say, you know, we only go that far as to sort of say, you know, teens for our events, yep. but there's a whole wider community. And do you, yeah, I guess what I'm asking then is, do you feel like, because uh, I, I think it's fantastic that this exists so that people can have exposure mm. to the community before the, the day they turn 18. Yeah, we, we know that there are high instances of drug and alcohol abuse amongst LGBTI mm-hmm. people. Is there sort of education programs for the kids while they're um, part of Minus 18 so mm-hmm. that when they are out in, in that world where they have access to these um, spaces that they sort of are a bit more prepared than perhaps we were 15, 20 years ago? For sure. So it's not like our direct line of support of what we do as services, mm. but that's where we work with, you know, be it China, say we work with ACON, where we work Fantastic. with community organizations who that's their strength and value. And yeah. say, for instance, at Adelaide Queer Formal, China, say, activate in this like whole space. So, you know, they'll decorate it, facilitate it, provide resources and things like that around like, you know, sexual health. So, mm-hmm. you know, we look to the people who are already doing that work in those spaces and invite and them in to the Queer to Formal. The... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So it's, you know, bringing best of both worlds, right, and to say that, like, you know, these resources exist when you need it or if you need it, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're doing it already. So us bringing in that element, you know, versus inviting them in and and working together is is really the best. Yeah, great. That's brilliant. And um, before I let you go, uh, Rochelle and Lucy, I'm keen to know, who who do you look up to? Who are your Um, (laughs) inspirational leaders, I guess? I really look up to um, people close to my family. So Mm -hmm. I have two family friends called Sue and Mary, Mm -hmm. and they're more like aunts to us. We call them Auntie Sue and Auntie Mary. And I'm not sure, I don't know too much about Mary's background, but I know a lot about Sue. So she was born in like 1950, and she didn't really, like, she knew that she liked girls, but it wasn't really a thing that she knew about until mm-hmm. she was about 16. And she was arrested multiple times. Oh, wow. And like she, the last time she was arrested was I think 1986 mm-hmm. in the Homosexual Fre- Reform Act right, in New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. So she was arrested then and she's done a lot of work for the community and 
that was a thing that she's always kind of fought really hard for. Wow. And her and Mary have been together a long time now, since like the 80s. Oh, how and fantastic yeah. that you have like a, a personal connection yeah, so with them. They've yeah. always been like a part of my life yeah. and they were there at my birth. So it's yeah. been like oh, beautiful. people I've always yeah, yeah. admired. And Rochelle? Um, I don't really have any out family members, mm-hmm. but a person that I really look up to is my literature teacher. Mm-hmm. And even though she's not like queer or anything, but she would always um, try to start up conversations yeah. about like queerness in our classroom space. Fantastic. So a, a strong us, ally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure having all three of you in here. I'm so glad that we uh, got to have some young people on the show to sort of tell us about the future. And I think that uh, if the future is in your hands, then we're in very, very good hands. Thank you so much uh, for coming in. Um, now, tickets are on sale for the Queer Formal for Mardi Gras in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, how can listeners show their support? So there's, I guess, you know, if you're a young person looking to come, again, those tickets are free for Sydney Queer Formal, which is fantastic. It's on Friday, Feb 21st, mm-hmm. uh, so not too long. Um, and I guess, you know, to make that happen, you know, if you're an adult who sort of like love the, the Queer Formal narrative or your workplace, you know, is looking for forgiving over Christmas, you know, we do a, a crowdfund to, to make that a free and accessible event. So, you know, we get 500 attendees for that event. So quick maths, that's like $25,000 yeah. to, to pull it together. So. So, yeah, we do a crowdfund to, to help make that happen. Fantastic. So we can jump onto minus18.org.au. Correct, yes. Oh, I got it right. Wow. Yay. <laughs> well, again, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll have to have you back soon. Pleasure. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. So that was a bit of food for thought on a Saturday. When did we, do we come out on Saturday? Saturday, yeah. A Saturday afternoon. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, thank you for joining us for another yeah. episode. Really good. Don't forget to get tickets to. Don't forget to get tickets to our Sydney live show and We're also New our, Zealand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our Sydney live show in February. That's right. For Mardi Gras, see us there. Mm. And then also, if you don't get to that or both, come see us in Melbourne. Imagine yeah. if we got groupies. Oh my People gosh! Like travelled with us. That'd be cute. I think yeah. Mum would fuck coming up all. to Sydney, so you <laughs> can count Mum as a groupie if you like. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Um, yeah. Of course, as we said earlier, if you want to support the uh, queer formal at Mardi Gras, you can jump onto Mardi, uh, to midsummer.org.au and uh, make a little donation there. Obviously, they need mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit of money to put on such a big event. And it is a really wonderful uh, initiative that they have to connecting young queer people uh, yeah. with each other. So go give that support. And also, I'm doing a shameless personal self-plug. So unlike oh, you. for your album. <laughs> <laughs> Album. <laughs> Tom, Tom's greatest hits. Tom's album. <laughs> I'm uh, doing my first solo stand-up show in three years at Midsummer Festival. It's called Thomas Jasper's is Revolting. Well, oh, I it? like the name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's on the Sunday after our uh, Melbourne live show. Mm. Uh, it's at Evie's Disco Dyer, and you can book tickets whilst you're booking tickets to our live show at midsummer.org. Yeah. Today. And it. that's it for another week. Of course, don't oh. forget we've got our Patreon after show. Yeah. What are we so- Stay tuned about. for that. What what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about gender roles within kids today, mm-hmm. and what kind of toys kids should be playing with. Right, exciting. Yeah, and what toys they shouldn't be playing with. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like meth. Yeah, yeah. And oh, we had an exciting, yeah, exciting announcement, exciting announcement, which we did in Adelaide, but you'll we never did hear in now. Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mikey's going to be back in two weeks, Yay. which is ah. very exciting. Very, so very exciting. Stay tuned for that. The OG oh, crew. Yeah, I thought you were going to say I fell out a tree. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was it. Yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.